This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. This November is all about how to pace a church plant. And in a recent hangout, we had Colin Barron talking about pace being more important than we realise and looking at some of the biblical principles of pace. In this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of that hangout. We have another hangout on the practical aspects of pacing a church plant coming up on November the 24th with Mark Mumford from Salt and Light Churches. You can find all the details on this episode at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 53. And if you do go to the broadcast website, you can also find information about that hangout with Mark Mumford. So here's the recording of Colin Barron on Pace is More Important Than You Realise. It's great to be on broadcast this evening and especially on this whole topic of Pace. I often get uh, people ask me loads of different questions on uh, how to plant a church and invariably um, related to the question somewhere is the whole thing of pace. And so I want to look at uh, pace from a a biblical perspective in terms of how God created uh, the world in terms of uh, the the rhythms in, in pace. And then I want to look at some practical examples from four cities uh, that are mentioned in the Bible. And so just want to introduce this theme actually from a couple of illustrations. And one of them is from soccer. And uh, those who are listening from outside of England and the United Kingdom, um, I'll put some context to this. Last summer, uh, the England football team were part of uh, the uh, tournament for the European uh, Cup. And um, in the summer, we played a, a number of matches. And then one match in particular, we played the smallest country uh, in, the, in the region, and that was Iceland. And we, we lost by... And uh, it was humiliating. And uh, in such a way that the manager resigned and we got a new manager... And uh, as the new manager was appointed, he got asked numbers of questions, invariably, what went wrong. And uh, one of his answers uh, related to the subject that we're talking about tonight. He said, look, in England, we have a Premier League, which actually is uh, played soccer at a very high tempo uh, all the way through the season. And then... In a lot of other countries, over the Christmas period, they, they close down for two or three weeks. Great. But in England, we do completely opposite. We have an insane number of matches over the Christmas and New Year period. And so basically what I'm saying is this, that the UK, the England soccer season is played at a high tempo all the time with no breaks. And then when you come to a summer and uh, a, a, a cup competition, all the players uh, uh, are exhausted. And so he said that that was one of the reasons that uh, uh, he thinks uh, we got knocked out by a very, very small country. A couple of days ago, I was reading an article, and uh, I just want to uh, just quote this. It was an article from uh, a runner, and uh, talking about themselves and it says this one of the most important aspects of running is learning how to pace yourself for starters you have to pace your overall training and when working towards an upcoming race it's important not to push yourself too hard training properly involves a gradual progression of miles and speed pushing yourself too hard too fast will ultimately result in injury and burnout then the writer went on to say another way a runner paces themselves is during the actual race itself. And then they said for them personally, um, they have an easier time pacing themselves in training than they do in the actual race. And they went on to say that 
during the race, they get so excited about what is happening that they lose perspective and actually go too fast to start with. And then as it's a long distance race, actually burn themselves out before the end. And it's almost the event. They just get caught up in the atmosphere, in the other runners. And so saying that actually the event sometimes was harder than training. But in both incidents, whether it was the soccer tournament, whether it was the, uh, the, the running race, the whole um, ability to pace yourself so that actually you're there at the end and you're winning at the end um, is massively important. And I feel for a lot of church planters, um, pace uh, is uh, an important thing. So I know for me, when I first started church planting 30 years ago now, um, I was so excited. I just wanted it to happen. And so it was almost like I had meeting upon meeting upon meeting. And you were just pushing, pushing all the time. And uh, then you kind of analysed, is anybody coming? Or is anybody getting insane? Uh, what's happening here? And, 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 and not a lot. And so the temptation then to push again harder, actually. And so... In the end, you, you get to a point where you're, you're exhausted. And then there's an opportunity. It's Christmas. Um, it's Easter. There's uh, new students arriving. Uh, times when actually you could really up the pace. But by that time, you're actually very tired and actually want a holiday uh, and a break. And so, as I said at the beginning, I want to look at pace from um, a kind of a, a biblical perspective uh, in terms of um, how God kind of orders um, society and, and creation. And then I want to look at four towns, cities, and uh, uh, how the, uh, uh, the, the people of God learn to pace themselves in those cities. So let's look at some biblical principles. The first one is from Ecclesiastes. It says these Ecclesiastes 3.1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And so the whole thing of seasons gives us some perspective and some understanding of the rhythm of life. I live in Manchester and uh, Manchester is known in the summer for its rain and uh, it's also known for a little bit of sun. But uh, this kind of humid um, atmosphere that is created in the summer months actually produces uh, a lot of growth. I'm always cutting the lawn. It's kind of never-ending because uh, growth in those conditions, a lot of moisture, a bit of, bit of warmth, actually really does make things grow fast. At the moment, it's autumn, walking my dog in the mornings, leaves are coming down. You, things are beginning to slow up. And then soon we'll be moving into winter when actually another season going in uh, to spring. And so I just, uh, first of all, want to say that built into creation, built into the way God has designed things, there, there are seasons. Some things are going fast and then sometimes dormant, things going slow. There's a, probably one or two examples where that's kind of contradicted, if I can use that word. It's probably not the right word. In Amos 9.13, it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will overtake the plowman and the planter, uh, the one treading grapes. And so in terms of revival and renewal, then actually the whole thing uh, speeds up and uh, things change. But that whole thing of the rhythm of life to give us an understanding of how we should actually pace our own lives. Second thing is the festivals that... Uh, that God gave the people of God these festivals to go to. And when I was a, a young church planter, I went to a, one of the big Bible weeks that they used to run in the, in the UK. And I heard a, uh, a speaker just talk about these festivals and saying that actually not only were there a time for worship and praise and the people of God to gather in great celebration, but it was actually their holiday time as well. And uh, Deuteronomy 14, 22, gives some instructions for the people of God. So be sure to set aside a tenth of all the fields that you produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, the new wine, the oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And basically what it encouraged me to do was to think, okay, 
for the people of God going to these festivals, they took time off work, but they say put money aside so that when they went, they actually had provision, they could have a great festival. And so we actually started uh, putting a tithe aside actually as well for our holidays so that as a, a, a young family, we could take some really good breaks and actually put some rhythm into our year so that we could put a lot into the church plant and then take some good holidays. And so that was kind of the second uh, thing of pace, the, the whole thing of holidays, festivals. The third, which um, you probably thought I might have started with, which is the whole thing of Sabbath. By the seventh day, it says in Genesis, God finished the work he had been doing, and on the seventh day, rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So here's the whole thing of the Sabbath rest. And uh, we know through the Old Testament that that Sabbath rest actually got a bit twisted and uh, became a, a load of rules and regulations. And so what really started out as uh, something to benefit people actually became quite a burden. And uh, Jesus, in the end, was challenged as he was picking uh, some uh, corn. Um, why are you doing that on the Sabbath? And he said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And so just want to, again, pick this theme up that we need Sabbath rests. We need those uh, time. Now, for a lot of church planters, especially uh, in today's busy uh, society, economically challenged times for a lot of people. A lot of people are bivocational. That means they're actually uh, working in the marketplace uh, uh, to earn money. And then uh, the church planting uh, is actually in their spare time, which means Monday to Friday, often busy at work, few new meetings, and Sunday can be busy as well. So to actually take a time off of making Saturdays work uh, for for you is really important. For me, um, we've had the privilege of being paid uh, by the church, and so um, I tend to take a, a midweek day off, um, which works for the way our family is. But I guess taking that whole thing of making the Sabbath work for you, Sabbath was made for man. And, uh, and so just want to say that, so that's built into the way God um, wants us to order uh, our life and then just final bit before we go into the, some of the practical stuff in terms of the cities i want to mention there's a time of waiting it says wait on the lord and keep his ways and he shall exalt you to inherit the land psalm 37 4 and so sometimes we just need to stop and uh, that's very hard uh, for energetic uh, go-to people and uh, I, uh, I know for myself, sometimes I want to force an issue. I want to make something happen. Sometimes I get frustrated. And so um, I, uh, it's, uh, I kind of put more effort into it. And actually what God's saying is actually wait for the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt you and to inherit the land. And so they're just very briefly, because we've only got half an hour in this talk, just four kind of biblical principles of how God has put pace into uh, our lives and, and into the rhythm uh, of life. So now I just want to look at kind of four examples, one from the Old Testament and then three from Paul, church planting in the New Testament. Now, will give us some examples of pace and uh, how uh, to do that. So the first one, the lesson is from, actually from Babylon, and it's from the people of God in exile, going down uh, to be 70 years um, in uh, another nation. Um, and uh, it's the words uh, came to Jeremiah, and he gave them the, these words to the people. He said, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number do, uh, there. Do not increase. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And so for a lot of church planters, they actually move home 
we've moved, I think, three or four times now, planted a lot of churches, but actually moved physically three or four times. One of those, actually, we moved to America for two years to help a church that we'd been involved in uh, who had planted two or three churches, and we went to give them some more intentional um, hands-on help. And I remember having been there a few months, uh, a friend of ours turned up and uh, came and heard me preach on the Sunday morning. And at the end of it, she said, Colin, that was an amazing preach. It's always good to say that to you. Um, but uh, it was amazing in this way. She said, you used, all your illustrations were all from the USA. And uh, I realised that as I got there, I immersed myself in the culture, in the politics, in, in, uh, in, in all the aspects I could of uh, American, North American. Like we lived on the East Coast, about an hour's drive to Boston. We love Boston. And so we just, we would visit there and we would enjoy the, the scenery, which is just stunning in that area. And I guess what I'm trying to say is a bit like Jeremiah said to uh, the people of God, go into, into exile. I actually love the city, bless the city, prosper the city. And for a lot of church planters, they're so keen on building the church, they lose the fact that actually part of pacing yourself is actually to spend time enjoying the place you're in. Because I believe this, if you do not love the place you're in, it's very difficult to build a church. I was in um, St. Petersburg a few years ago. Some dear friends of mine had moved there to plant a church and I went out there to give them support. And it's interesting. I said to them, I don't want to go to a meeting. I want to go with you to some of the really beautiful parts of St. Petersburg. And that wasn't just because I wanted to do a tourist thing, although that was uh, an added bonus, but I actually wanted them to spend time and to learn some principles a little bit like uh, Jeremiah wanted the people of God to learn. Now, actually, if they were going to plant into that beautiful city, they needed to get to know it. So we went to the ballet, we went to the big museums, we went down the main high streets, we went down to the river, just spent a day or two just really enjoying talking about photographing, just really appreciating this great city and actually beginning to talk to people feeling like okay this can be home and uh, so it was a principle and and that's pace you see because if you're if you've got to slow down to do that you've actually got to take time Nehemiah it says spent days walking around the walls in Jerusalem just getting a perspective of the uh, place he was going to so for the people of God going to Babylon actually loving the place they were going to in terms of it was a foreign land it was a place of oppression actually for them but actually they wanted to prosper the city and they needed to actually find a home there make it their home as opposed to always pining to go back which they did in the end 70 years on so that's the first lesson second lesson i want to do from corinth and uh it's a, an interesting one, this, because Paul turns up in Corinth. We find this in uh, Acts 18 and 19. And he actually gets there ahead of his colleagues, Silas and Timothy. And uh, here's Paul, this colossal theologian, church planter, preacher. And so what does he do when he arrives there? Well, actually, uh, he doesn't get on to doing lots of evangelism, lots of church, but in fact, she starts a business or joins two people that he meets there, Aquila and Priscilla, and actually gets into doing a business. And then it says every Sabbath he went down to the synagogue and he debated in the synagogue and he taught in the synagogue. And, and it, it's interesting, he didn't even create a new meeting. He actually went to where he would probably go anyway, which was where the people of God were gathering and so for Paul knowing that he was on his own he was waiting for his team to arrive he did little in terms of that kind of um, uh, church planting uh, uh, stuff that uh, he was going to do a bit later but actually what he did do he used his time really profitably he earned money 
built the business, but he discipled two people as he was earning money. So he, so he went to the synagogue like you'd probably do, and he actually sat and made these tents with two people who actually became key church planters with him. So what do we learn by in terms of pace? We learn that you do things simply when you first get to a place. You don't over make too many commitments, too many meetings. And you actually use the opportunity, especially in bivocational employment, to get to know people, even to disciple people in the workplace and uh, wait for your team to come. When we first came to Manchester, uh, we turned up, we had to wait for people to come. And so we did very little uh, those first few months. So uh, that's how it started coming. And then it says when Silas and Timothy arrived, it says he devoted himself <laughs> to the work. And so it's interesting. Suddenly he went from one skirmish in the synagogue and some uh, a discipline of a couple to devote himself. That means that there was a season where he could actually stop his business and actually give real time and energy with um, Silas and Timothy to build in the church. So you see, if he had tried to do that on his own to start with, he wouldn't have had the money to be able to do that with. And he also may have got himself burnt out because he was, he'd been on his own. So took his time, then he devoted. And then the interesting thing is, he then took a breath in terms of took a step back and uh, started to think, what do I do next? And in this frenetic, devoted time of building his church, he realised because of persecution and difficulties, let's just take a step back and say, okay, God, what do I do now? And it says, actually, God spoke to him in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking, for I am with you. And so in this whole pace, Paul took a step back and said, okay, God, what do I do now? And actually God said, carry on, keep going, keep going at this pace. And so fundamentally, he had the energy, because knowing what God's saying gives you energy to keep the pace a little longer. I found that, that uh, God speaks, actually, I can keep going, and I can go that extra uh, mile, because somehow there's an energy that comes from knowing that God is with you and that actually there's fruit coming from this. So we've got some great examples from Corinth. I just encourage you to read the narrative through Acts 18. And it just gives you so many clues in terms of how to pace yourself, when to go slow, when to press on and when to keep pressing on uh, in, the, in the right time. So, next lesson I just want to look at is lesson from Ephesus. So, that's Corinth, Ephesus. So, after Paul left Corinth, he took actually Quilla and Priscilla with him. And uh, it says in uh, Acts 18, 19, they arrived at Ephesus when, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. So, it's interesting. He takes them there and then he says to them, Look, I'm going to go and support some of the churches. I'm going to go back to some of the churches that I planted. And so um, he said, I will come back if it's God's will. And then he set sail. So, here's Aquila and Priscilla. They're on their own. So, what did they do? Well, actually, they did almost what Paul did in Corinth. They went to the synagogue. They started a business, I think. And uh, they met a guy called Apollos. And so basically they spent their time helping Apollos, um, training him a bit. Um, and uh, this mighty man of God, Apollos, actually was very impacted by Aquila and Priscilla. It's almost like it was their major thing that they did. I'm sure there are other things as well. But fundamentally, again, when... Paul had gone and they were on their own there. They didn't try and do a load of stuff. And uh, I guess I'm trying to say they'd learned some lessons from Paul coming to Corinth. But then on Paul's return, um, um, it says, it, he upped the pace. It says in Acts 19.8, Paul entered the synagogue. He's now come back to, um, to Ephesus and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe. 
and public malign the way. So Paul left them and he took the disciples with him and had the discussions daily in the lecture hall of the Tyrannus. This went on for two years. So here's an amazing um, thing happening from what I would say was a bit of a skirmish in the early days with Aquila and Priscilla, some great things, but, you know, um, on a kind of individual basis almost. Suddenly Paul comes in and he has the opportunity, because he's thrown out of, uh, he has to leave the synagogue, he finds a lecture hall that he could use every afternoon. And so Paul really, really ups the pace now, every afternoon. I think it's about the only time we see it in this sort of format. It says he lectured in the hall of trainers. And then in another place, it says the whole of Asia, uh, actually in the end, uh, got heard the gospel out of this place. And so can you kind of get the drift here that I'm trying to talk about pace, that um, they, you, you up the pace when significant things are in place. So for Paul in Corinth, the significant thing was actually Silas and Timothy turned up. And so he had the right team and uh, they could all be full-time and he had the resources, he had the money, said he supported his team in another part of uh, the Bible. And so he could devote himself in Corinth then uh, to what he was only doing on the, Saturday, on the, on the Sabbath in the synagogue, he could do it on a much more daily basis. So it was the team that actually gave him that ability to do it. And he had the energy because he hadn't killed himself before that to do it. In, in Ephesus, um, he, had a, he had a hall. Not only had his team, but he actually had a, a space that he could use um, that seemed really appropriate for him. So he used that lecture hall and, uh, and just every day debated, reasoned, Saw people saved, just discipled, discipled, and people were sent out, Laodicea and other uh, places to, um, to plant churches. And so, again, just getting that whole thing of each church plant, there's going to be seasons of uh, slow growth, seasons of slow activity, and then seasons of intense activities. And it's knowing the time and also being able to. Stop. Even in a time of tense activity and say, God, is it still time? Is it still the right thing for us to do? And then just as I'm beginning to bring this to a close, I want to do a lesson from Troas. Okay. And in 2 Corinthians 2.12, I find this just a fascinating verse. It says, now I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went to Macedonia. I find this an absolute intriguing verse, uh, actually a liberating verse, because he, he, he says, he, now I went to Troas to preach. So he intentionally went there. And then basically he says, God opened the door. The Lord opened the door. I mean, I could imagine me going to my leadership team here and saying, I actually went to a place and God opened the door. And you know what they would actually say to me? Tell us the fruit. Tell us what happened there. Oh, I didn't go in because one of you didn't turn up. <laughs> I mean, that would be a, a very interesting conversation. Um, and, uh, but that's exactly what Paul did because somehow he knew that for him to go, in and do the work, he needed to have the right team with him. And so he had the ability in the face of what looked like an open door to actually not do it. I think for church planters, this is a massive lesson because often we have what seems open doors. We have, often people come to me and say, Colin, can we do this? There's an old folks home that actually wants us to do a carol service when they're in Christmas. That could easily happen. Or there's, there's a, 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 an opportunity here to do some street work. Or, or there's a children's club. Could we start a children's club? And it, it looks like God's in it. And, and I, I think to myself, 
we can't do all those things. We haven't actually got the right people in place. And actually saying no to something that looks good is a very difficult thing, especially as a church planter. And you're trying to get some traction. But somehow Paul understood certain things, certain principles need to be in place for you to do it. And I would say sometimes uh, we... We up the pace at the wrong time because it looks like a, an open door. It looks like even God's opened the door, as it says here in Charles. But actually, you haven't got everything in place. And what happens then is you get burnt out. You put energy that actually gets could be used in somewhere else in the wrong place. And so I think I'm just hoping to give you that some clues that actually there is a rhythm of life that actually God has intended that we do have fast times, slow times. We have rest times and we have high intensity times and we have lots of times in the middle, which is just plod. Okay. And a lot of life is just plod. Um, but also that um, there's some key um, it's key lessons to know when to up the pace. And so sometimes I go into a church plant situation I did this week and uh, it's doing well. But actually, I, 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 I was challenging a little bit. Could you up the pace a little bit? Is this a season to up the pace? So often I'm going in and saying, actually, you just need to have a bit of a break here. But um, I think sometimes uh, you need to just put a bit more shoulder to it because actually if you up the pace a bit, you could have a bigger breakthrough. So knowing the times and the seasons, knowing your family life, for us raising three kids, we've got six grandkids now, um, so there's different seasons in family life as well that actually just mean you've got to pace things well according to the community you're in, according to the church community, according to your own family, nuclear community. Uh, I think all very important. I, I guess this will just pose quite a lot of thought in your mind. So we'll call it and uh, answer some questions now. Right, fantastic, Colin. We've, we've definitely got a few questions on this topic. So um, if you're listening live and you want to add your question onto the list, then uh, over the next kind of 25 minutes is your opportunity to do that. So, so please do. Um, let's start then at the, the top, always a good place. Um, the question first is this then. How do you work out whether you need to go faster or slower with your church plant? <laughs> um, that's almost an impossible question to answer in a, in, <laughs> in a principle um, I think one of the reasons to take four towns like I did four cities was to show that there are some, some, there are some principles uh, at, uh, some of it is just how you feel in yourself first of all how is it with your family so sometimes just knowing that your spouse your kids are actually needing your attention more. Um, that's a, a, a clue, okay? Knowing uh, that you've got the right people in the right place, that's a clue. Knowing God's spoken like he did in Corinth. So sometimes for me, just prophecy, just knowing actually God's spoken. So that's we started a church plan in Manchester um, when we were really a bit pushed actually but we, we felt God has spoken to us and so actually that just we up the pace on on that on that uh, being wise having wise counsel uh, is is helpful listening to people um, sometimes uh, you can up the pace for bursts so we you know we're, we're now in Manchester we've got a number of church plants there's going to be a burst now up till the week before christmas because uh, and then we'll last year we've virtually closed down for two weeks lots of hours this time because of the sunday uh, christmas day and new year's day all on sunday we'll just do a plot 
So I don't know if that helps, but it, it, everything's reasonably situational. Yeah. Uh, but it is being wise. Yeah. Getting good counsel. But not being scared, I think, to go the extra mile sometimes, <laughs> like Paul did in Corinth, you know? Sometimes. Yeah. There's quite a number of different factors to consider. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay, well, that's helpful because the question that comes with it is this, then, how do you help the other people um, either up the pace or slow down as you feel that it should be, you know, set? That's an interesting, very interesting question. Um, Let me just give you another, a a side illustration, um, then come back to it just because I think it will illuminate. Um, in a, 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 as a day job for myself, as well as planting churches, I, I actually help leadership teams um, grow churches. Um, and uh, one of the things that I'm often helping them is, is how they ra- uh, uh, raise volunteers, how they delegate. And uh, one of the things people say to me is, everybody's too tired. <laughs> That's uh, Or... Um, I don't want to over-pressurize them. Okay, so th- these are, and so I- I'm thinking, okay, well, look, is that totally true? And then I, I kind of asked the question of this, um, when, is, when to-, to-, to the leaders, when do you grow the most? And some of them say, well, actually, when we're stretched, <laughs> when we're under pressure. And so, what I basically uh, I've come to the conclusion in this and I, uh, context I'm talking about, then I'll put it into church planting, is that actually this is one of my things: is um, too much pressure snaps people; they, they break down. But too little pressure actually makes them bored. And actually, you can be as tired of being bored <laughs> as you can under pressure. Okay, so. Yeah. So, so that, that's a little bit of a principle. So, so, um, so sometimes uh, we've got to encourage. We've got to be very wise to 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 figure out why are people tired, and and what why sometimes are they do they need, is it good for them to step up? And so I try and analyse it a little bit. And it's on a, it's only on a situational basis, you know. So for sometimes you just think these people have been working hard week in, week out. <laughs> they just need a break. Yeah. Other times, actually, it's because they're not seeing the fruit. So yeah. you can actually grow. Um, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So sometimes people are just weary because of lack of growth, lack of results. And actually, uh, upping the tempo a bit and, and getting some traction actually brings energy. So I was a church planter the other day and hadn't seen many people come and then seen a couple of families joined. And the whole of the little church plant team is motivated. And and it's like energy comes back. So sometimes you've got to say, okay, you might be tired, but a win (laughs) actually will bring energy. Now, it's very, it's, that's why I use that illustration too much and you could snap people <laughs> they could burn out but if they actually say too little it's a little bit like hope deferred yeah that makes yeah i get is that i don't know if that's um i'm trying to give some principles because every single situation is different yeah, well, no, it's really helpful because we've got another bit that adds on, actually goes on from what you're saying, which is what should you do? Because obviously we're helping others to come with us in terms of the pace. But what if you've got conflict and you've got some people that are wanting to go faster than you think? So you've got, actually got a slight mismatch of, you know, different ideas about the pace and the people that are coming with you. Uh, and I think that you're going to always have that. <laughs> okay, I say always, yeah, that's... Um... Wow, these are good questions, and uh, I, I, I don't want to give trite answers, and I don't want to give just to say so much is situational, and, yeah. and you've got that. But I think sometimes you've got to give permission for people to be their their own pace. So, for instance, if you've got a bit of a 
and most churches have to be fair most because church plants are very small it's more everything is more highlighted so you've probably got the same situation in a church of 300 it's just when there's 20 of you and you've got five people who basically saying i'm too tired i don't want to do anything so you've got five people who were basically bored and want to change the world it's in your face yeah um so i think sometimes i think you've got two or three options really one which i think is probably the safe option which is the normal one probably which is basically give, is to make sure that whatever you're going to do allows the five not to come so sometimes you need to say hey we're going to do this it's going to up the pace but fundamentally that doesn't mean all 20 of us have to <laughs> attend everything we realize you've got families you've got jobs etc etc okay so that's that's probably the the main the norm okay which is um, understanding that your church plant is actually fu- is built up of people in different water stages of li- their life. There, re- there are occasions, and I've done this. Um, we started a, we had a, our second church plant in in Manchester in our in this series of church plants. Uh, it was in Fallowfield, and we had about I don't know thirty or forty people, I think. And we, we wanted that was an evening meeting. We wanted to start in the morning. We plant a new congregation in the morning. So I said to some of them, I said, "Look, I know you're busy. Could you give me two months mm. and double up? If we did that, we'll get some traction. If you do three months, that would be brilliant. Students are coming in. If you could just give us a, a real, you know, the kind of short, short bit of energy time." And if we could all do that as much as possible, then actually we can actually make this happen. And because it was time specific, because people totally understood the gain, actually we, and again, you always let people in the end, if they, if they can't, they can't. But we, we really did maximise everybody. And actually now I've got two kicking plants there. In fact, I've planted two out of that since then. So, but... But you can't do that often. Yeah. You're you're talking about giving permission for people to not be part of something if, you know, if they're overstretched or you've got um, for a time specific thing for a burst. What about if you've got people that are wanting to run ahead? They want the prayer meeting. They want this. They want all these Uh, things you want to hold back. uh, You've got to rein them in a little bit. (laughs) I think that's... You know, Paul, I'm sure Paul wanted to get in and <laughs> do the church plant into, into Corinth. I, I, he could have even had Aquila and Priscilla say, come on, we'll support you. I'm reading that into it, obviously. That's not in the, in the narrative, but it's the sort of conversation I've often had. Um, I think, you know, you've actually got to say there's times and the seasons. And I think actually getting, really helping people to look at some of these biblical examples. I, I, I I literally do teach the show, and I run. I, I actually say, look, this is how Paul did it. And mm. He reined himself in until <laughs> everything was okay. And actually, um, I, I, I think sometimes it's helpful to go to the Bible. I mean, it's always helpful to go to the Bible, obviously, but it's helpful to actually go to the Bible narrative. That's what I mean. So it's not just you, <laughs> and and because because I ask you, Colin. But actually, to actually give some biblical illustrations um, helps. But yeah, I think you've got to raid some people in. Occasionally, you can you can actually let them move, uh, not move on. You can say, if you two want to do it, yeah, then God bless you. But please do not get upset if the other eighteen don't. And that's so occasionally you can actually make it that way, but um, definitely you've, it, you don't want to go it, you don't want to be running this thing with the, the fastest paced people, and yeah. you definitely don't want to be held up <laughs> by the very slowest yeah. pace people. Very good. Yeah, we've got a phrase that we use, which is you don't need permission to, to do kingdom business. To release people to get on yeah. and do the stuff in the Bible. So, uh, um, yeah. When they put pressure on everybody else and emotional pressure and, and a notice at the front saying, you must turn up next week, yeah. or the, then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, this, this one, because we've got a couple more to get through, so I'm conscious of time. This one's great because this question is from somebody who obviously listens to you and knows you. Um, Colin often talks about momentum, and I think you've covered this, but I wanted to ask the question. How does this relate to pace? Because you talked about the bursts, so you uh, might want to comment on that. Uh, that's a, 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 an excellent, excellent question because effectively momentum is hard to get and easy to lose. And uh, anybody who's a, <laughs> a church leader knows this. And so the temptation then to actually keep, to keep pushing hard because you're scared of losing momentum is really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a killer. Um, but it's got to be managed. And so I think sometimes you've just got to be very wise. So... For instance, let's just uh, use a, a very real, a low, recent example for us. We've, we've got two congregations into a more student area. So basically by the time end of May comes, there's just a few left. And, and we've tried to keep uh, one of the meetings going through the summer um, in the evening. And we actually decided this year to pull the plug. And, and we really were fearful that we would lose momentum because, yeah. uh, well, at least I was. <laughs> um, didn't say that to many people, but uh, but I knew we had to because we need every, we needed a break. Fundamentally, we'd you know we 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 we're, we're planting pretty regularly now, and we just needed that group to, to to have a break. So, but what we did was we really worked hard. At the very beginning of the, of when we finished the break, we we knew we'd got to get momentum back again, and therefore we had a very uh, we had a, a we'd worked out a strong plan of how we were going to get momentum now. Because it's more in Shootland, it's easier because of um, you know freshers coming in and things like that. But still, um, that whole thing of keeping the momentum. Going so you can have breaks and not lose momentum. That's definite. The other thing is, um, we we sometimes um, would do stuff like um, I'm using the summer because it just is, it's it's on my, in my head because it's yeah. just gone through the summer period. So that's where all my illustrations come from. But sometimes I'll say to a church planter, okay, work hard, get some momentum. If you need a break through some of the Sunday meetings, why not put a barbecue on? Why not get a summer program that keeps the momentum there but depowers the setup, the preaching, the, the having to prepare preaching? But actually, you're not kind of closing everything down. So I think sometimes people go from fast to stop. <laughs> And actually, you can be much more cleverer. You can, and sometimes you can engage other people because you know running a barbecue every Sunday lunchtime or Wednesday night for four weeks actually is a, is is life to somebody. Yes. You know, and in a sense, that, so you're keeping it going. I'm just using because we've just gone through the the summer period, but I've often taught some church planters to, to use the holiday periods very wisely. So I was with a church planter last year and uh, they'd just got a, they'd got a handful of people. They'd got, they import people to help the Sunday meeting work. So I this very, you know, let's go, let's get the momentum going through term times, you know, the UK, English school times. Have breaks through the, you know, the, the, school holiday times but keep things going midweek you know to keep activities going that actually are low maintenance and probably don't demand the leader <laughs> yeah so yeah no that's really really helpful good answer so talking about not overloading yourself and trying to pace yourself well like that and using clever ideas and creativity um a question about then burning out so Someone's asked the question, what, what do you mean by burnout? Um, but what do I mean by burnout? I mean, a breakdown would be the ultimate burnout, you know, that people just basically, um, their bodies say, you've got to stop, <laughs> you know. So okay. I think people get emotional burnout. And it's, there's, there's levels, isn't there? So 
Um, I know sometimes I've been close to an emotional, you know, just basically feel like I've got nothing else to give. I'm tired. I'm just going through the motions now. My wife knows I'm going through the motions. My kids know I'm going through the motions. I know I'm going through the motions. So, so that is a kind of total burnout, but you're on, you know, you, you, there's not much left in the tank. Um, so basically the main thing is you don't want to get there. You really want to try and uh, make sure that you, well, you don't want to get have a breakdown. Uh, that's when fundamentally your body says stop effectively. Um, so that's what I mean. It's, it's making sure, and, and we're always going to be tired. There's always going to be times of tiredness, but it's, it's, it's having the ability to regain energy. So I have occasionally uh, been on a summer holiday uh, and actually I've not recovered enough because I've, I've been so drained. Well, I would say it takes me a week to, to even get onto an even keel. And so, in fact, we started taking three weeks break when I was in in a high intense church planting time and actually doing training and lots of other things. We actually realised I needed a three week away, um, and the first week was just to recover, to actually get myself. So, in a sense, you don't really want to. That, that's that's pacing at a high level. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a helpful definition. That I mean, there was a question asked about how, as a church planter, do you avoid that when you're going through the you've got the quicker growth season going on, so you're wanting to maximise what's going on, but at the yeah. same time, you're obviously having to give that much more of yourself as well. Yeah, we holidays for us. So that's why I went to those first four principles: Sabbaths, holidays, you know, the festivals. We, I've, I've already got booked my four holidays for 2018, 17, 18 would be nice as well. Um, yes, and uh, and I've, I, I've got them budgeted. I'm not saying I've got all the money, but I, I know that, they're, they're, that I've booked them all. Um, and so that, that actually shapes my year next year. And what happens is that, that sometimes I haven't done that the church has shaped my year and I've put the hol- my holidays in after, after the shape. And then basically I'm then suffering all the way through. So I think it's so important to, to know who you are, to know the season. So now, because our kids are grown up, we have all our holidays at different times. When the kids were there, we had to have a school holiday. It was very fascinating for me. That when our kids left home, I always thought I was good at pacing myself, good at holidays. Kids left home, and I thought, I don't need to have them in the high-cost season. I'll have them outside of that. But actually, I had no kind of rhythm. Where do I put them? <laughs> so actually, I spent two years behind the curve on something that I thought I'd cracked 20 years ago. And I would say it's taken me two or three years to, to get a new rhythm. I was, I'm 60, grandkids... Um, and I've just had to rework it to get the pace right. Um, so I don't know if that's uh, yeah. So, yeah. No. so it's really making sure if you if you're going at a high pace, you need high break, <laughs> high pace, high break. Yeah. Okay. That's that's brilliant. Um, one question. I'm conscious of time. We've got one uh, kind of curveball here about bivocational ministry and what are the key things to think about about if you're going for bivocational ministry, what kind of jobs work best for this? Oh, so, uh, well, not everybody has the option of, uh, of choosing the best job for it, but um, I think if I had started again, I, I, I trained as an engineer, and uh, basically it was really impossible to do that and take you know go part-time with that stuff so so it was not a very in the type of engineering that I, that I was in um, and in the season that in the you know that in the times when I I trained in that so I think that I mean some nurses uh, sometimes can do part-time so it's a very high stress job 
but sometimes you can some of these jobs you can actually do uh, are easier to do part time. Um, so I think it's all a, it's a it's a little bit of who you are. Um, it's also uh, I've got people on my team who've got jobs that are probably way less demanding than their ability. Actually, it means that they've got more headspace and more emotional energy. So I'm not giving you answer about the jobs, because, but I'm just saying sometimes it's uh, no, helpful. Answer, but not specifically. I guess what I'm trying to say is you, you sometimes you can go for jobs that actually could eventually give you a part-time option, and they can be well-paid, or the type of work that actually that you can do shifts and, and stuff like that. Uh, you could go for a job that actually doesn't overstress you so that actually you're not coming back overloaded from a day job. Um, for most church planters, it will be bivocational. So, yeah. And I think the reality is your church plant speed will be in proportion to your time and emotional energy that you can give it. And therefore, if you've got a high emotional job, I, when you say emotional, you know, it's draining you, then obviously you've got to watch that you you, you can only do a, a limited amount. <laughs> so, it's, so it's fine. I don't mind if a church takes 10 years to make it. I prefer that and everybody's intact. And I think there's, you know, I think sometimes we put too much weight on time. Do you know, you know, so so you know, it's got to be today. You know, we've got to get thirty today. It's um, no, we we've I've been in twenty years in Manchester. We've had some church plans to take uh, a long time. Some just go like that. And in the end, we're building the kingdom. So I think it's, it's so it's pacing yourself against the job. So I don't know if that's uh, helpful. Yeah, no, that's brilliant because it's all about capacity, isn't it? So where are you using your capacity? Okay, let's go with the final question, which brings us back to some wisdom and advice someone's after. For when things are going slow, are there things that they can do to increase the pace or is it just a case of waiting? So someone's obviously in a bit of a slow season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your wisdom? What's my wisdom? Um get people like me to talk to them. Genuinely, sometimes you just need an outside look. Now, that would be my first port call because sometimes you can be so much in it that you kind of, you, you, you go two ways. You either become fatalistic, i.e. this is as, as it is, yeah. or you become so frustrated that actually try and push it along. Sometimes, um, actually, you just need some keys to change. So a building sometimes can be a game changer. So some, sometimes I've been into them and they've been a little bit slower. And I'm basically, why are you there? It's cold, room, you know. So I mean, we've got one church plant that actually was in a big hall rattling around there was a little social club which is where they are now bricked up windows i mean we looked at it for i think two years i thought we, you can't build a church there it's just uh, it, it was bricked up because it was in a, an area that so it's not worth putting any glass in actually in the end made a decision we where it's not working for us here let's move there and uh, literally from that from that moment new people came just uh, it was just and it was literally half a mile down the road a mile down the road so sometimes it, it's a building sometimes it's an extra person sometimes it's yeah there's just a number of things and so I go back to my first thing sometimes you just need a, you need someone who's a bit of a lateral thinker um, I think a lot we do these things called masterclasses and, uh, which is basically linking three or four church planters together Every six weeks, I go on a lot of them. We often run the 
not German-speaking ones. We have them quite a few in the UK now. And really what it is, is actually we, these are the very things that we talk about. You know, so it just allows practitioners for an hour to have a, a hangout. We're all on the on, on line. And really one of the things we do is, um, where are you? And uh, if someone says exactly the question, that's where we are, then we just all, we all chat about it. And everybody yeah. brings in their thoughts. And in the end, we all pray together. And actually, sometimes you just need an outside voice. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything Colin said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 53. And we'd love for you to join us on November the 24th for our hangout with Mark Mumford on pacing a church plant.